Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, farmland values rose at a higher than expected rate in 2022 in spite of several interest rate increases. We'll hear from Farm Credit Canada's chief economist, J.P. Gervais. Close to 2,000 rural delegates are expected to attend the SARM annual convention in Saskatoon this week. SARM President Ray Orb will tell us all about it. The weekend snowstorm in southern Saskatchewan was welcomed by many agricultural producers. A Minton area cow-calf producer, who's uh, straight south of Regina near the U.S. border, says they really needed the snow. We'll hear from Mark Heimer coming up on today's program. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. Farmland values rose at a higher than expected rate in 2022 in spite of several interest rate increases. The numbers are contained in Farm Credit Canada's Farmland Values Report released early this morning. On a national basis, the average value of Canadian farmland increased 12.8% last year, compared to 8.3% in 2021 and 5.4% in 2020. In Saskatchewan on a provincial basis, the increase was 14.2%, the largest number since 2014, and well above the 7.4% in 2021, and 5.4% in 2020. FCC Chief Economist J.P. Gervais says it all comes down to supply and demand for farmland. The demand side might uh, find this a little bit surprising that demand has remained as strong as it is, given that we've been living in 2022 in an environment with high interest rates and high input costs. But the flip side of that is that we've had strong receipts as well, so gross income for grain and oilseed farms has gone up 18.3% is the increase. Uh, we just got the final number last week, I believe, from StatsCan. So it's 18.3% growth in gross income for 2022 for grain, oilseeds, and pulse farms. And so gross income has been going up, but input costs have been increasing as well for consecutive years now. And we had to deal with higher interest rates. So on the demand side, you know, the net result of all of this, it appears to be very strong demand still. I think that speaks to the positive long-term outlook for ag. And on the supply side, farmland available for sale is still very limited. Saskatchewan is split into six regions with land value increases on cultivated land 
ranging from 9% in the northwest to 24% in the northeast. It's getting harder and harder to generalize and make some general statements about what's going on in the marketplace, even within a province. We've had in some provinces where we get the lowest increase in percentages for the lowest price value and the highest priced value land. So it's it's this just like I said, this is there are very few ways to generalize the results because it's getting to a point where the markets are very localized. And so I think it's a good thing that a few years ago we did provide a bit more a regional breakdown of the different land values within the province. But even within those different regions, I think you have to dig and and understand that what might apply for one region might not apply to the next. So it's even more significant when you actually compare province to province. Here are the FCC average numbers for each region, starting with the Northeast. The Northeast of Saskatchewan saw a 24.2% increase on cultivated land, with the average land value at $3,000 an acre. The Northwest was on the other end of the scale, with a 9% increase and an average value of $2,500. West Central Saskatchewan increased 17.2% to average $2,800 an acre on cultivated land. The value range in West Central Saskatchewan went from a low of $1,300 to a high of $6,000 on high quality land. East Central Saskatchewan rose an average of 13.4% to $2,200 an acre. The southeast was up 13.3% on cultivated land for an average of $2,500. The southwest went up 11% to average $2,200 an acre on cultivated land. And for the first time, FCC calculated values of pasture land. The provincial average increase on pasture land was just 2.8%. The drought areas of West Central and Southwest Saskatchewan did not see any increase in average pasture land values this year. Provincially, pasture land is valued from a low of $400 an acre to a high of $1,600 an acre. And I'll have more with FCC Chief Economist J.P. Gervais coming up in just a few minutes' time. But first, it's time for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Agri-Review. The looming spring melt across western Canada will likely disrupt some grain and livestock movement over the next few weeks as seasonal spring road restrictions come into effect across the prairies. Spring road restrictions set axle weight limits for vehicles moving on certain roads to reduce the damage heavier loads can cause during the spring thaw period. Grain and equipment movement can both be affected by the spring road bans, as drivers may need to find alternate routes or haul smaller loads. The winter wait season in Saskatchewan is set to expire tomorrow, which will reduce the tonnage allowed on roads. In Manitoba, spring road bans are set to come into effect this Friday. The Agriculture Carbon Alliance is calling for MPs from all parties to vote in favor of Bill C-234, the private member's bill that would remove the federal carbon levy from natural gas and propane used on farms 
as it's headed for its third and final vote in the House of Commons later this month. The bill would amend the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act to exempt natural gas and propane used on farms for necessary farm practices such as irrigation, grain drying, feed preparation, and heating or cooling of barns and greenhouses from the federal carbon tax. Unless something major happens that requires MPs' attention, the bill is on track to be voted on at third reading in the House of Commons on March 29th. The bill has since been amended at the committee stage to include an eight-year sunset clause, which means whoever is in government eight years after the bill takes effect would have to decide whether to cancel, amend, or continue the exemption. The size of the fund short position in canola rose in February and likely grew even larger in March as weekly commitments of traders data slowly trickles out from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. The data has stalled since a cyber-related incident delayed the release of the data for weeks. As of February 21st, the net managed money short position in canola came in at 44,359 contracts, marking the largest net short position since March of 2020. Open interest in the canola market came in at 268,996 contracts on February 21st, but has since climbed to 296,227 as of Thursday. That's according to Ice Futures data. The increase in open interest came during the same time futures prices lost more than $50 per metric ton, which would indicate traders were putting on more short positions rather than exiting longs. Hawkish comments from the chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve and the possible renewal of the Black Sea Grain Initiative brought down wheat futures on the Chicago Board of Trade for the week ended Thursday and in turn pressured Western Canadian wheat bids. In front of the U.S. Senate Banking Committee on Tuesday, Fed Chair Jerome Powell told lawmakers that if the country's economy continues its strong performance, the Fed may keep raising its key interest rate for the foreseeable future. Meanwhile, the Bank of Canada held its key interest rate steady at 4.5% last Wednesday. Ukraine and its partners have started talks on renewing the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which is set to expire on Saturday. Meanwhile, Poland and Ukraine reached an agreement for Ukrainian grain shipments in Polish ports, which was put into effect last Wednesday. CN and CP Rail supplied a combined 76% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 31, an improvement from the previous week's 70%. The improvement in performance reflects for each of CN and CP. In supplying 82% of hopper cars ordered on time in Week 31, CN's order fulfillment performance improves slightly from the 76% order fulfillment performance seen in Week 30. This marks the 16th straight week that CN has fallen short of the 90% threshold. CP order fulfillment performance also improved modestly, with the railway supplying 70% of cars ordered, an improvement from the 64% order fulfillment performance seen in week 30. This marks the 26th consecutive week that CP has fallen short of the 90% performance threshold. And that's today's Ag Review. Please stay tuned. GX and Agriculture will return in one minute's time. 
Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's partly sunny and minus 10 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. But first, I'm back with Farm Credit Canada Chief Economist J.P. Gervais. He says the impact of higher interest rates have yet to be fully felt by a small number of agricultural producers. 15% of our customers are going to have to renew their loans within the next two years. So for those customers, it all depends on when they actually locked it in. But we've been pretty assertive that, you know, in 2020 and 2021, when rates were really low, that operations were better off by locking interest rates. And a lot did, and, and that's good. Some of them did not, and that's also they had their good reasons and so forth. But I don't think that we've seen the overall extent of what the impact of interest rates would look like on the demand for farmland. Having said that, the outlook for gross revenues and cash receipts being positive. I think in Central and Eastern Canada, I'm, I'm projecting that this is going to remain flat. So we reached a high last year in 2022, and then we're going to be able to hold the line and maintain that. And the praise, I do think that everything depends on the 23 crop, but given in 2023, we're not going to have the drag of the 21 crop on receipts. I'm projecting an increase in the praise. So hopefully that supports the demand for farmland going forward. But let's face it as well, farmland, when it's evaluated against farm income and accounting for interest rates, we're getting in most provinces, if not all provinces, we're getting very near the top of the market ever in terms of the value of land relative to farm income and accounting for interest rates as well, right? If you account that new businesses need to make payments at uh, the current interest rates. So- Gervais says high land prices are making it very challenging for younger producers. Given what you can grow off the land and given where interest rates are, if you make some standard assumptions, financing 80% of the purchase price, if you make standard assumption of amortizing over 15 years, in most cases, not all cases, you're going to have to subsidize your purchase, subsidize it with income from a different quarter or section. In some cases, you're going to need more than another quarter of land to offset and compensate what uh, the income that uh, and the net income that uh, that you need to make to pay off the land. So big challenge for young producers. I, I, I'm not sure I have a solution here. I, I just want to make sure that I acknowledge that it is a major challenge for young producers to expand their land base at current valuations and where interest rates are. Gervais was asked to comment on the number of land purchases last year made by producers versus institutional investors. Businesses, operations, producers that are not going to farm it, farm the land that they buy. We can say that between 9 and 15% of those transactions that we have in our database are from those non-traditional buyers. So to me, still, the vast majority of transactions are producer to producer. But nonetheless, I mean, the presence of those non-traditional buyers are, is, is very relevant. And in terms of transactions in the database, we have about 9 to 15% of those transactions that are uh, non-traditional buyers. J.P. Gervais is Farm Credit Canada's chief economist. The FCC is reporting the average value of Canadian farmland rose 12.8% in 2022. The increase was 14.2% in Saskatchewan. Livestock market conditions. 
U.S. live cattle futures for April closed at 163.55 today. That's down 72. June live cattle closed at 158.20, down 45. April feeder cattle closed at 197.07, down 57. May feeder cattle closed at 202.40, down 117. April lean hogs closed at 86.22, down 122. May lean hogs closed at 94.57, down 35. And that's the livestock market conditions. Well, close to 2,000 rural delegates are expected to attend the SARM annual convention in Saskatoon this week. President Ray Orb says the meeting opens tomorrow and wraps up Thursday. The key issues haven't really changed too much over the last while. Obviously, you know, rural crime. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about rural crime and some of the uh, some of the issues, you know, around the province. You know, with the RCMP being short-staffed and things like that. But obviously, uh, healthcare, you know, it's a big issue for us. Rural healthcare and, and some of the problems associated with that. We're, we're going to have a, a panel discussion. We've got some experts we're bringing in to talk about some of the rural health issues. And, you know, I think there are uh, lots of uh, good sessions set up. I know dialogue with the ministers, you know, the bear pit. The premier will be, uh, will be uh, talking up here as well as... Uh, leader of the official opposition and so we've got a kind of a jam-packed schedule here for the next three or four days. He says they will also be talking about the drought in southwestern Saskatchewan as well as the need for more rural veterinarians. Yeah definitely you know we're gonna we're gonna touch on the drought we know that there has been some snow falling in in some of the southwest parts of our province but Still, we're going to need some timely uh, spring rains, uh, you know, uh, that's really going to help the livestock producers a lot. Yeah, getting still a lot of uh, negative feedback from livestock producers. The drought being one thing that seems to be ongoing, but obviously, you know, the issues within the industry itself, and one of them is the shortage of, of veterinarians that are, that are in the uh, large animal practice. And, uh, you know, meeting with the province and the province has been, you know, discussing that with the, uh, with the Saskatchewan Veterinary Medical Association to try and come up with some solutions on that issue. Orb says rural crime continues to be an area of concern. Well, we see, we see it still rising crime rates. We saw the latest statistics year over year from last year, and we see especially, you know, thefts, uh, break-ins and things like that being uh, too high. Uh, you know, we've been working with the RCMP as much as we can as far as revitalizing Rogue Crime Watch. We're trying to get as many RMs on site. Still, a, you know, call to action to our RMs to uh, to get involved with Rogue Crime Watch and to be able to uh, work with the RCMP on that issue. We also discussed the new Marshall program that the province has decided to create. And we had a we had a pretty good meeting last week with Minister Tell talking about the role of the marshals. We still have some concerns about that. We still feel that the province may be better off to fully fund the RCMP as to what they're asking. But we know uh, sometimes, you know, governments make their minds up. Um, we're certainly wanting to learn more about the marshals program and see how that could actually complement the RCMP, hopefully reduce the amount of rural crime. He outlines his key message to delegates this week. 
You know, definitely, I'm going to be talking about about rural crime and and uh, some of the issues you know that the RCMP are facing and the uh, the, the new marshals program as well. But definitely, uh, I, I'm mentioning healthcare in the rural areas being not at all what the real people need right now. We have a panel at our convention as well. But, you know, some of the experts are going to be talking about that. But definitely, uh, we've got some issues as well with tax rate issues, and that's to do with the, the uh, Millard tax class ratios that RMs are being uh, somewhat being able to are uh, having to reduce that ratio and that affects a lot of the RMs in the heavy oil industry in the northwest part of the province so I'm, I'm going to be talking about that as well. And Orb lists some of the resolutions that will be debated. We have usually we have ones on wildlife uh, again about depredation tags and we know that there is a real issue out in rural Saskatchewan right now with wildlife getting into farmers haystacks and getting into their yards and you know we've been we've been meeting with uh, with the minister of environment and wildlife advisory people to try and come up with some solutions we keep getting these resolutions every year at our either at our annual or midterm convention to deal with this with the uh, depredation to be able to issue more tags and to be able to get out there and reduce some of the number of elk especially that seems to make a real uh, a high amount of damage in farmers yards and i think you know we we're going to have a good discussion as well with our minister here at the dialogue session. I know there are going to be lots of questions on the wildlife issue and what the province is able to do, first of all, to be able to do that. And I know it's going to come up at the bear pit as well. But then I know that there are health care issues. You know, there's going to be questions about that, too, that come up at the bear pit. So I think there's going to be a little overlap. Some of the discussion at the dialogue session with the ministers, I think, is going to continue at the bear pit session. The SARM annual convention opens tomorrow and wraps up Thursday in Saskatoon. Please stay tuned. GX and Agriculture will return right after these messages. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. The weekend snowstorm in southern Saskatchewan was welcomed by many agricultural producers. Regions near the U.S. border received the most snow from Saturday's storm, somewhere between 20 and 25 centimeters. Minton area cow-calf producer Mark Heimer says it's hard to say how much fell in his area straight south of Regina because the wind created drifts that left some patches completely bare. Piles are, I've seen them up as high as uh, eight, nine feet in some places and in other places the ground is bare so it's really tough to <laughs> to gauge but we think maybe around the, the eight to ten inches of snow is what we saw. The vast majority was pretty windy. I, I believe it was about 50k from the, the east and northeast. And uh, yeah, we knew it was storming, but we couldn't really tell how much snow we were getting because you couldn't see very far. He says there seemed to be some moisture in the snow. It was definitely had more moisture than a Christmas snow or a kind of a December light and fluffy snow, but it still didn't have quite the heft and the moisture of uh, an April-May snow. It was kind of someplace right in the middle. You definitely, when you were walking out outside and you were the snow was hitting you it didn't take very long for you to get wet but it's not the heavy snow that is going to give people trouble moving around it's uh it's kind of somewhere right in the middle but it's it's certainly welcome we can use the moisture heimer says there wasn't much snow on the ground before this weekend storm most of our snow does come with wind so we have had some hills and some land without much cover that was more or less bared off and then 
other areas, I would say there was maybe about six to eight inches of, of snow that had kind of settled down from over the, over the winter. And yeah, we definitely, we need this and probably about three or four snowstorms like it. The surface water in our area is very, very low. Well, almost all of the sloughs and uh, the natural ponds and stuff that are uh, the smaller ones are dry. And we've actually even seen some uh, larger sloughs and I guess uh, northern folk wouldn't call them lakes, but we do down here that have, have dried up a little bit. He hopes the wind pushed a lot of the fresh snow into the dugouts. Yeah, it would. I, this snow definitely would have caught on the west slope of a lot of hills. And if there was anything to slow the wind up anywhere near the dugout, it would have piled it up pretty high, which is, uh, is kind of the ideal circumstance for getting some spring runoff. Mark Heimer is a cow-calf producer from Minton, that's straight south of Regina, close to the U.S. border. It's time now for your commodities update, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. May canola closed at 767.80, down $10 per metric ton. July canola closed at 765.20, down $10.10. May Minneapolis wheat is still trading. It's at 831 per bushel. That's up six and a half cents. May Kansas City wheat closed at eight dollars and half a cent, up two and a quarter cents. May Chicago wheat closed at 684 and a half, up five and a quarter cents. May corn closed at 613 and a half, down three and three quarters of a cent. May soybeans closed at 14.91 and a quarter, down 15 and three quarters of a cent. May oats closed at 3.48 per bushel, up one and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back in one minute's time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer, a partner with Polar Pork Farms says the conflict in Ukraine continues to influence feed grain prices, contributing to reduced profitability for pork producers and higher food costs for consumers. Florian Posberg, a partner with Polar Pork Farms, says high feed costs continue to erode profitability in the agriculture sector and contribute to food inflation. Well, um, it's not a particularly uh, profitable time in the industry. Uh, feed costs are still pretty high, and and uh, although market prices aren't uh, aren't terrible uh, because of the high feed costs, it's uh, putting a bit of squeeze. But that's that's not unusual for this time of the year in our industry. So, um, generally speaking, it doesn't uh, appear like meat supplies are going to be burdensome through uh, 2023. Beef looks like it's going to be uh, less supply and um, hogs globally, it looks like there's an opportunity that uh, we may very well see our exports pick up and uh, poultry is having their own challenges. So it, I, I guess we would uh, be optimistic that uh, as a the year moves forward that uh, there'll be profit in our business again. 
He outlines the key factors contributing to the situation. Well, high feed costs are uh, seem to have been uh, spurred on by the uh, conflict in the Ukraine, uh, between Russia and the Ukraine. Now, that really threw a wrench into the whole uh, outlook for uh, world uh, cereal supplies. Um, it seems like that is kind of baked into the cake, so to speak, now. And, um, you know, although production in the Ukraine is going to be off substantially um, globally, if we get back to uh, better uh, growing conditions in the, the U.S. and, and uh, South America continues to increase their supplies. Uh, we are seeing some softening in uh, feed grain costs. Uh, it's still historically very high, but it's not as high as it was a year ago. So that's positive, and uh, you know the war has uh, has had uh, quite an influence. And like I said, after a period of time, the the market just gets used to what's happening, and uh, so that that's that's what it is. Uh, globally, there we're still seeing. Uh, there's reports out of China, for example, that they're uh, they're still dealing with significant uh, African swine fever outbreaks in their herds. Um, Europe is having some challenges with African swine fever, and and some of their new uh, environmental requirements uh, is hindering their production. So, uh, generally speaking, I think the prairies in Saskatchewan is probably as good a place as any to be in the hog production businesses anywhere. Posberg explains how that's impacting global food security. Food inflation has uh, really been a challenge for uh, especially low-income families. Um, you know, we don't hear reports of how it's affected the poorest countries, whether there's significant uh, starvation being caused by higher food prices. Um, you know, we do know that uh, higher food prices are challenging people even in our country to, to pay their bills and keep food on the table. Hopefully, um, food supply generally, uh, pork supply specifically, will be enough that, uh, you know, it's not going to cause significant shortages. And uh, hopefully the uh, inflation in, in food will, will soften somewhat. And with that, um, could be a challenge for, for us as uh, selling our product. But again, if some of our costs come down, then, uh, you know, we can make money with, uh, with uh, lower final prices and, and see... Um, softening prices in the in the grocery store as well which would be the best of both worlds locally the north 49 cull sow processing facility in moose jaw is nearing completion he says that's good news well currently our cull sows are going to the u.s most of them some of them to southern manitoba but obviously having a significant plant in moose jaw is is really good news for us at reduces our feed, freight cost to, uh, to slaughter. More importantly, really, um, by uh, taking the border risk out 
of the equation. Um, there's a lot of diseases in uh, where our cow sows go into the U.S. that uh, have the potential to be dragged back on dirty trailers and that sort of stuff. So we eliminate uh, significant uh, disease risk. As well, we know that borders can close uh, in a heartbeat, and uh, having a, a plant right here in Saskatchewan uh, greatly reduces uh, border risk as well. So, you know, there's there's a number of good reasons why that is uh, good news for our, for us and our industry. So uh, we're we're just anxiously waiting for that plant to be open. And Ponsberg outlines how the pork processing facility could change the dynamic of pork production in Saskatchewan. Well, anytime you uh, can uh, in- increase the um, the uh, the structure of the industry, that's good news. Now, Kulsaus is a relatively small part of our business, so it's it's. Not a game changer like a new slaughter hog slaughter plant would be uh, for market hogs, but certainly um, anything that can add to the um, infrastructure for our industry is good news. And uh, you know the fact that Donald's is making a major investment there is uh, instills confidence in our industry in general. So that's that's very good. Florian Posberg is a partner with Polar Pork Farms. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny, winds south-southeast at 15 to 30, and a high of minus 7. For tonight, partly to mainly cloudy, winds southeast at 15 to 25, a low of minus 11. For tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud, winds west at 15 to 30, a high of plus 2, a low of minus 12. For Wednesday, partly sunny, winds northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 6. For Thursday, mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries, a high of minus 8. And Friday, partly sunny at times, a high of minus 9. In the Paw and Dauphin, it's minus 7 degrees. Swan River and Roblin are at minus 10. Brandon, minus 13. Show Lake Russell, minus 11. Regina is at minus 12. Saskatoon, minus 7. Hudson Bay, minus 6. Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, minus 9. Winyard Wadena Kelvington, minus 8. The Yorkton Melville region has a partly sunny sky, a south southeast wind at 24, gusting to 33 kilometers an hour. 63% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 10 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 19 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.